So you're having a hard time talking to women online. I understand it's awkward, it's hard, it's weird, and it's a losing battle when there are so many of you guys. So if you want to learn how to stand out, get her to respond, and be charming, interesting, unique, well, I can help you with that. Right now, I'm in the process of creating a testimonial page so you guys can see all the wonderful quotes from dudes that I've worked with. But here's one from Paul as we wrapped up our second to last session. I wrote, have you had any chats since last week? He wrote back, yes, I have. I did exactly what we were working on in our session and it went so well. And I said, awesome, please send it to me if you'd like to, but if not, no worries. And he wrote, well, she actually wrote to me after and told me, quote, I love what you did. And I said, whoa, wow, yay, that's amazing. So if you guys want to join Paul on the other side, not death, life, but living, please hit me up at kristencarney.com slash dating help and I will get you on your way to getting some hot ass dates, okay? Forgive my voice, I've got a sore throat. It's all this banter I have been doing. Come do it with me. Let's go get a sore throat together at kristencarney.com slash dating help. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out The Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of The Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have Robert Kendall back on the show who is going to talk to us about being a man in 2019. Has it shifted? Has it changed? Uh, we will see. We also dive deep into his experience in a bit of a sexual cult where he then talks to us about female sexuality and how to communicate about sexuality. It's really interesting. We talk about a lot of different topics, so keep listening. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Ask Women podcast. It's your host, Kristen Carney, along with Marnie Kinris. And we have a returning guest, Robert Candell, with us who talked before about what is like being a man in today's climate. And I don't know if we're going to talk about that again necessarily, but when you were with us, you were sitting under Marnie's table in a fort. And so mm-hmm. we have we are forever indebted to you. Yeah, well, that's a true man in 2019. That's the it ultimate is. definition. And you're a big man. It's not like it, that was an easy squeeze. You know, you're a tall uh, guy. Willing to do what it takes to bring the information to the people. <laughs> exactly. And that they is what a modern man is all about, right? It's true. It's very true. It's, it is a good yeah. metaphor of like, good I. You know, I saw some videos of you guys and you were like in a studio and I was like, okay, ready for that. And it was a hot day, if I remember correctly. It was a warm day. And then all of a sudden we're under a table with these big blankets and I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're doing. Good thing I wore my deodorant. We we, Actually, we shot in a studio once, and then that's what we put out there to show. Oh, I understand. No, I'm just I joking. Understand. I'm totally joking. No, but I now actually, it's even more fancy. We're on the phone mm-hmm. <laughs> at a large distance, so I think this is this is a, a better situation for you this time. Indeed. <laughs> well, why don't you tell people, like, give them a little bit of a recap of who you are, why you know what you're talking about, um, and then I do want to dive into 2019 what it means to be a man and, you know, obviously get a little bit more detailed, but yeah, the floor is yours. Great. Thank you. Uh, My name is Robert. I've been in the business of teaching and educating for about 20 years now. Uh, My life story is I felt I was normal until I was around 28. 
and then had some pretty epic experiences. Uh, Burning Man, for one. The second being uh, being totally embarrassed in my first class, my first workshop, personal development workshop, that led me to the realization of how little I knew in general about myself, first and foremost, and second, about the woman I was married to, my first wife, I'm married to my second one, but how little I knew about women and my interacting and went on a uh, spiritual journey to find out who I was and how I could be a better man, which led me to workshops, opening organization called One Taste, uh, took that from a paper napkin sketch in 2004 to an international eight-figure business by the time I left in 2014. Now live in Venice. No, sorry, now live in Los Angeles, um, where I have a uh, I call myself a growth expert in both business and personal. And I recently released my first book, which is called Unhidden: A Book for Men and Those Confused by Them. Amazing, absolutely fantastic. That's wonderful. So, tell us about men in 2019. Is this a tough time for them? Are things getting easier? Has Me Too kind of calmed down a little bit? What, what's going on? My belief system is that it's both the a tough time to be a man and the best time to be a man for kind of the same reasons. Uh, the basic concept that I've researched and kind of one of the main thesis of the book is that the patriarchy has been around for 6,000 years. Uh, depending on which historian you talk to. So anywhere from 3,500 to 4,000 BCE. And uh, for those 6,000 years, there's been a lot of habits and a lot of concepts and a lot of just belief systems that have been hammered in from generation, hundreds of gen generations going on. Uh, what happened in 1848 uh, was the beginning of the women's suffrage movement in Seneca Falls, uh, New York. Uh, which led to a declaration of women's equality written by both women and men at the time. It wasn't until 1920 that the um, 19th Amendment came out with the equal right for a woman to vote. And it really wasn't until the 1960s and 70s that the beginning of the concept of equality for women really just started. So and if you think about things for me, to be honest with you, I would be much better oh. off not having a job. Well, <laughs> That's, that's or a voice. Give me a, broom, or a voice. give me a broom and a kitchen and I'm set. This trying to struggle to make a living is just not my thing. Thanks. Well, there Thanks, are lady. many men that were happy to get your phone number and um, <laughs> provide that for you. That's a good point. That's a good point. They'll bring me yeah. right back to 1920. Yeah, back to the Mad Men era. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, 6,000 years and really what happened in the 1970s is that the educators started to create programs for girls, uh, girls meaning, I use that word deliberately, women under 18, to uh, set the, equal, you know, create some equality, especially around the areas of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And what we've seen in the last 50 years has been a really epic change in terms of women just coming into more power. It's not equal. I'm not trying to say it's equal, but the change has pretty, been pretty significant. Uh, women are dominating the education field. Um, pay, gender pay gap is changing for white millennial women. Um, we're looking at uh, people, more single adults now than married adults, first time in history, people getting married later, having kids later. So there's really been this very epic change. And men have had the 6,000 years of habits and histories and belief systems that have just changed in the last 50. And there's a sense of uh, what, can I swear? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, WTF, what's happening? And so the scripts they had handed to them by previous generations aren't working, and they're kind of lost and confused. 
Right. So they're confused, right? So they're just like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? How do I handle this? This is a major shift, which as well, it's a major shift for, for women too. You know, we're, 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 we're navigating these new waters as well. So it, it, it's challenging on both ends. And so what, what, is ha- what is happening for these men who are confused and lost and how do they you know, seem to find their way or how can they find their way? There's a bell curve, of course, we're talking about. There's, so there's some men at one end of the bell curve who are never going to change. They're, they're looking for the women with the broom and staying at home. <laughs> they're actually looking for that. And they just, Hi. there's nothing we can do. Hi. Like, I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum are really men who've done significant work, raised by powerful women. And so there's that spectrum as well. But in the middle, in the center, there's this whole big part of the bell curve that are really lost. An author named Michael Kimmel Kimmel called it um, aggrieved entitlement. They're stuck in the, I deserve this. This should be happening. I'm a man, therefore X, Y, and Z. That woman is taking my job. And so they're stuck in the anger and frustration, staying in their adolescence, staying in the, I'm going to stay young. I'm going to live till 90 now. Why can't I be an adolescent till the 30s and until I'm 30? So all these in the middle... 35 later, um, it's all this middle that are staying in this stuck place. And so that's what uh, a lot of the research is showing. You know what it is? It's like limbo age. We've kind of turned the mid-30s into limbo. There's still the us hanging out, not really willing to be adults Mm -hmm. yet. And then those that are crossed over onto the other side, and we're just kind of in the middle going like, ah, what do I do? How do I get from one spot to the other? It's a hard transition. So how can a guy transition from one to the other? The most, so any change that I've seen and any client I've ever worked on is from a place of either inspiration or desperation. (laughs) So there's a point where like, I'm 38. I haven't had a serious relationship in my entire life. I'm lonely. I want something. There's that. Then there's uh, inspiration of just like, oh, I see my friends are all in relationship or I read this book or I did some plant medicine or I found this thing. Like I felt inspired. So it really is that spot from inspiration to desperation. And the only time people change is when the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same. Right. When I'm willing to go to the gym and get my butt kicked rather than have to look myself in the mirror yet again and not be happy with what I see. That's kind of what happened with me with moving back east. So I'm no longer in Los Angeles. And it was like, what's the the worst scenario here? Me being in LA and being lonely and feeling like I'm spinning my wheels or me perhaps Mm. moving my life forward, but feeling like I'm going backwards first by moving home, but then being able to propel myself forward. You, You do have to kind of figure out what is going to be the the wor- the worst thing or the best thing? Mm-hmm. I guess the best thing would be mm-hmm. the more positive way to look at it. Obviously, so mm-hmm. yeah, you have to get to that yeah. point. Well, well, well. Let's turn this conversation to to dating, attraction, relationships, because I I do see that it is sort of steering a little bit in that direction. But um, a lot of a lot of men have been feeling quite challenged in the dating space. And to be honest, a lot of these men would have felt quite challenged, you know, pre-Me Too. Um, mm-hmm. But now they're a little bit more f- uh, fearful of lawsuits and going to jail and all of that stuff. So so how how have, how have do men move forward in the dating space um, post-Me Too? 
I get this question a lot, and I love this question. And the answer is both simple and challenging for me. The answer I give well, is the adrenaline. such a female answer. No, just <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a mix of masculine and feminine. That's a that whole is conversation. true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, my answer to how to date in the Me Too era is this. Be a gentleman. And what I mean by this is I had a mother actually, on a, she interviewed me on a show and she says, how does my son, my son's a good man, but how does he like avoid this? And I said, teach him to be a gentleman. And what I'm finding is that men who actually learn the social skills, the power of presence, the power of awareness, understanding their motivations, learning how they're cross boundaries, uh, understanding what women want. They're the guys who are not getting tagged in the Me Too. So if you're a gentleman, if you're willing to listen and take feedback and still be a man, but be have that masculine power and presence and even a little um, energy, but also be receptive to feedback, you're not going to get tagged. If you're the kind of guy that's just going to cross boundaries and, and go for what you want, not pay attention, then you're ripe for Me Too. And you, you will get struck. You, you can have that feedback. So be a gentleman, learn to listen, learn to feel. And that's the greatest thing because women want that. Women are hungry for these guys. Women are looking for a guy like you who's willing to be in partnership with their desire rather than just stuck in your own ego. Okay, interesting. And then one other thing that you said that you wanted to talk about was communication challenges with women. Yes. So uh, I, I'd like if we could, because I, I think it sort of piggybacks on top of everything that you just said, to maybe provide some examples um, for communication. Because for me, when I hear gentlemen, I might have one definition. Mm -hmm. um, somebody else may have a different definition. But like in terms of communication, how would a gentlemen approach a conversation versus somebody who is a little bit weaker, but considered beta male or somebody hmm. on the flip side, who's a little bit more aggressive. Can we sort of tackle those three different personality types or um, communication styles? Can we help break sure. that down a little bit so that everybody understands what you actually mean when you say gentlemen? Great. So uh, let's take a step back. We alluded to this just briefly. So in my belief system, Everyone is a ratio of masculine and feminine energies. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean man and woman. I'm saying masculine and feminine. My basic definition of masculine and feminine, masculine being projectile or moving forward, feminine being more receptive. And there's thousands okay. of different ways you can go with that. But just that's my basic um, definition is forward projecting or receiving. To be in a successful communicator in the 21st century, you need to have both a mix and a knowledge and awareness and an approval of both masculine and feminine inside of you. Most men have a negative value judgment on the feminine part of who they are, born of, you know, thousands of years of judgment on the feminine. And you can see this in great uh, documentaries like The Mask You Live In. Uh, other books about masculinity, you know, we say like, don't cry, don't be a baby, all these messages that are pounded on young boys these days to deny or divorce themselves from their feminine. But my belief is we have to head in another direction. We have to be both projectile, moving forward, taking charge, and then also being receptive in terms of holding space and the uh, the awareness of when to lead with what energy in any specific moment. You know, let me ask you a question really quick from a female perspective. 
how much masculine does a guy like to see from a woman in general? Because I actually was just reading something earlier. It was um, like top 10 things guys hate women do in the bedroom. And one of them was um, talk in baby talk and like a high-pitched mm. voice or something. And so that seemed a little counterintuitive to me, not that I do that, but uh, that they didn't like that more feminine. Oh my God, I just had a total visual of Kristen <laughs> doing that. It's horrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to I I clean your floors. <laughs> yeah, the madman daddy yeah. just called daddy and everything. Yeah, so is, that, is that like too feminine? Is there a line that women cross for dudes where they're not enough projectile? Can I... Can I skew the, take a side route and then get to your answer? Would that be okay? Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is, is to build the skill to have conversations about your sex life. Most people have thoughts and feelings and desires about their sex life with their partners, but they don't feel permission or freedom to speak about it. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we hide, we create, you know, concepts and ideas. We, we, We hold them inside and then we think really loudly, like, please stop talking in that voice. Please stop talking in that <laughs> voice. We're actually screaming, please stop talking. Like, and we're screaming in our head, but our face is all like, oh, that's really sexy, honey. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're not honest with our partners about who we are and what we want. So the first and foremost is not the detail of, you know, some guys get turned on by baby talk or not, is to create the container where the truth can be spoken and rewarded so you guys can actually speak about what you want or don't want in, in the bedroom and then have the ability. Not in a high-pitched voice. Well, you know, sometimes that's sexy for some guys, but you don't know that until it's too late when they end it or get mad or scream at you. And so having a container of truth-telling, modifying requests, desires, that's where the best sex comes from. And how does a guy communicate that to a girl without being insulting or saying, you know, well, I don't really like that voice and then she gets offended how can you do it tactfully i have a i have a framework for that oh wow perfect yeah great so communication really is the foundation of everything i do because i think communication is the foundation of everything Mm -hmm. and so when you don't have uh, containers for safety and truth telling people lie and withhold and what they do then is they explode it's like they store it in and it comes out kind of like vomit no one likes to be vomited on and so to create a framework between you and your partner, ask, hey, I feel like there's things about our sex life that I want to talk to you about. And my motivation for telling you this is I want to actually have a richer, deeper, funner sex life. I want to create a space where I can say what I want, what you say, because I, I want this is awesome. And I want this to get better and better. Now, how would you like me? to reveal the things I want and like. What words would you prefer? Do you want us to be sitting next to each other? Like, please give me the information so I can deliver these messages in a safe and vulnerable way as possible. What would you like? So the conversation doesn't have to be sexy. It can be a standard conversation. No, he's saying to do that in a baby voice. No, but that, that's a, that's a perfect thing. It doesn't have to be sexy. You know, with, with two people who are in a partnership, you're talking about getting closer with one another as well right. as being sexual in the, in the bedroom. And this is a very intimate conversation, right? Where there's going to be people who are sensitive and there's sensitivities around people's sexual behavior, even if they are both like super kinky and super sexual. So 
for this situation, you do have to be a bit more vulnerable with each other and real and have calm and sensitive communications. And for, I'm, I'm usually like when people make statements about this stuff, like I, I'll have an automatic response because I'm visualizing myself hearing somebody say this to me. And mm-hmm. to be honest, all I felt was open when you were saying that. I didn't feel, I know you weren't directly saying anything to me, but I can picture myself in that scenario. And that, mm-hmm. that would have, for me, that would help me be more expressive um, about what I want sexually. It seems calm. It doesn't seem overly like hippy-dippy and ushy-gushy. And it just feels real and nice. And I actually, I like that framework that you presented for people. I think it's great. Thank I you. do too. And I'll I mean, never implement it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the point is like for men, especially if men are taught to have sex like Navy SEALs, right? We like dive in, go in the dark. We do in the deed. We don't talk about it. We do the deed and we try to get out as fast as possible. Yeah. Right? We don't talk about it. And sexuality is the, the realm of sexuality is humongous and infinite and large. And there's so much. And if you have two partners willing just to speak a little truth or adjustment, even little things like take a shower first or slow the fuck down or, um, you know, spend more time in foreplay or whatever it is, like whatever it is to make those little tweaks and people evolve over time, like who you were with your partner five years ago, he or she could be a very different person than they are today. And the ability to make adjustments and have that conversation outside the bedroom, like you said, Marnie, in will improve what happens in the bedroom. Oh, a hundred percent. I do want to take a quick break and then come back and answer some questions, but I did also want to just read you something that I think will be interesting to our listeners, um, which is kind of along the line of what we're talking about. And then also I, I kind of found it funny. So I have a WhatsApp group of moms from my son's preschool class. And so I said, you know, all women that I interact with, I like to use for research. Can I ask you some questions for my work? And they said, yeah, of course, totally. And I said, I know this is really generic, but does penis size matter? And so here's what one of the mothers Mm -hmm. wrote back since we are talking about sexuality. Um, And I think it's funny what she said too. Well, a large penis is like a pretty girl. Often a pretty girl has less than a stellar personality. They rely on their looks and don't develop other good qualities, like a sense of humor. So while Mm. somebody with a large penis might be good in bed, it's more likely, and she wrote in my experience, that they are not uh, as good in bed. They just rely on the size instead of having developed some good techniques. And then I wrote, yeah, that's awesome. Can I quote you? And she said, yes. But, and then she said, this is what the quote should be, said Jack's mom, which I thought, <laughs> which I, I just thought was hilarious that she said it that way. Um, but I thought that, that that was interesting information and that's where we're going to end this segment. And then we will come back in a bit and we'll continue uh, with Robert and answer some questions from our listeners. So we'll be back in a sec. Hey you, this is Marnie and thanks for listening to the Ask Women podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Take a quick moment to give us some feedback on our iTunes page. We'd really love to know what you think of us. And also, give us five stars, just because. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, we are back. And on behalf of large penises, I just want to say we are good and we're fine and we have to develop personalities because maybe we're thin or we're long, but we're, you know, not bulky. So we have to figure out where our weaknesses are and we do work hard. It's very mature of you, Kristen. Thank you for for adding in that tidbit. You're welcome. All right. Uh, Here is a question. I will start by saying this. I'm a loyal listener since hearing you on the Jordan Harbinger show. Uh, Love you too. Keep putting out awesome content. Uh, I'm Dane. I'm 32 and never been really good with women. I live in Nova Scotia. Canada dating sucks here, at least for me. I'm an attractive guy, but I've always lacked confidence. So this always happens to me, but I will not have any options in the dating area for months and then have to make a choice, feast or famine. Here's the situation. Uh, Matched on Tinder with one female multiple times, and on the third match, I said we should stop getting like this and meet in person, and she agreed. The same day, a friend of mine, who I haven't seen in a while, said, hey, Dane, you're, you're single. I'm going to hook you up with my friend. She's awesome. But FYI, she has a kid. This doesn't bother me. She gave me her number and me and her said we would go for drinks next weekend. That night, the Tinder girl said, let's meet tomorrow. So I met with her and things went well. She tells me uh, that she was a cam girl and I tell her that doesn't bother me. The next day, I'm thinking, I still want to meet up with the other girl to see what she's like. The Tinder girl texts me and asks me to go to yoga with her this Friday, knowing how much I love yoga. I don't think I'm doing anything wrong, but I'm not sure if I should go on another date with her until I see the other girl first. Any thoughts? So this kind of, you know, goes with the gentleman thing that you were talking about before. So in 2019, can you be dating multiple women or is that now considered douchey or do you have to tell people that you're potentially dating somebody else? Or at this stage, is he just being crazy and he should just be more open to every opportunity that's coming his way? My my belief system is to be honest as soon as possible, especially when there's an expectation of exclusivity. That tends to happen more after first sexual experiences, uh, you know, or making out or actually having sex. There's some kind of flavor of it. Um, so it's a balance and an awareness and it's, it's not, it's hard to create a formula. It sounds like this guy wants a formula, which most guys want. And so it's really a feel to it. And I would err on the side of, um, being respectful and it could be a simple question as like, you know, we've gone our two or three dates. This is not a first date question, even a second date question, maybe a third date question. This is our third date. And I just want to see what your viewpoint is on exclusivity. What is your ideas and what's your concepts and what are your desires? Do you think that scares someone away though? Why? No. Because Because all of a sudden, maybe you're making it more serious than they were thinking it was so far. They were just enjoying the casualness of, of lack of conversation about it. Well, my belief is if you ask that question to someone and they split then God knows you're not going to have you know any answer. depth anywhere. <laughs> and so, right. and if you ask it in a lighthearted, not, if you ask in a serious manner, like, what is your viewpoint on exclusivity? Like you come across as like this hard nosed guy. Well, yeah, they're going to pick up the intention or the feeling behind the words or underneath the words. 
But if you ask them kind of a lighthearted, like, I want to, you know, I'm here to respect you. I'm here to find out what your desires are. And I just like to know to make sure that we're on the same page and we can have this conversation now. It just opens up the pathway, the container, the opportunity for them to share their viewpoints. And then you can learn from that perspective. Okay, well, that's interesting. So that would be from a man who's saying at that point he wants to be more exclusive? No, it's more like I'm here just to find out what you want. So you're you're hearing like, it's like a trick question. And if you ask it like a trick question, it's going to feel like a trick question. This is what we don't do is we don't get curious about each other and we set ideas and concepts. And then we're, we're basing based on our stories than actually what the person has told us. But if you create a space for that part of you to be revealed, then you can actually go deeper. Okay. Well, so let's say you guys are just extremely casual yep. for the first three dates. You're having fun. You're maybe making out a little bit, or hopefully you're making out a little bit. You should be making out by the third date or at least kissing or something that's, you know, pushing things you forward. You should have a kid by then. Right. You should be impregnated for sure. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have the same feeling as Kristen where if I wasn't sure about the person yet, and that doesn't mean that I don't like them. Like I wasn't sure about my husband on the third date. I don't know how I would respond to that. I guess because you're just asking like, what are your thoughts on it? You're not saying I want to be exclusive with you. Right. That's very important. I think there's a subtle way to kind of just mix that into the conversation from the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Is yeah. that, yeah. So it's not That's so like, saying. what do you want? Yeah, not so in- intense. Yeah, it's, it's more of a broad conversation. Right. You don't, yeah, you don't set it like, up so like, we need to for? talk about this. Right. You, you don't like say like, we need to talk about something right now. So what's your viewpoint on exclusive? No, it's not that. It's like you said, if you're really casual and you have a strong sense that this is really casual, you don't need to have the conversation. Trust your instincts. Listen to that voice right. in your head and play with it. And if there's an ink, if there's a question of like, huh, I wonder how this person would feel if I go on a date with someone else. It's actually quite respectful to say, I just want to get your viewpoint about this so I know. Okay. Well, what about women who do straight out ask? Like, okay, so are you seeing other women? What do you say? If you are, if you are and you're undecided on this woman, but you're enjoying her, but you just, you know, you're not ready to make that decision just yet. I would just say that straight up. It's so hard to just be simple and honest. That's, but right. And that's, to me, the cause of the challenges that men and women are facing. And if the woman splits before you're ready to make a commitment, then say, thank God, because you're going to end up in a madman situation. (laughs) Like you're going to end up in a a situation you want to be in. Like this is, we, you know, what I'm hearing is like scarcity. There's not the next person. There's, we're going to end up alone. I mean, which is our greatest fear and the feast or famine this guy, Dane's handling. And if you set your foundation of your relationship on a lie, guess how shaky that foundation is. Right. No, you're ab- you're absolutely right about that. It, yeah, it's like shaky, like it took too many pills. I think the most difficult part about dating so far in my experience is that scarcity factor. Yeah. Like I will never meet anyone else like this person or I'll never be attracted to a person like I was attracted to this person. How do you flip that mindset from like knowing that there are quote unquote plenty of fish in the sea because it doesn't for you, feel like that. You for print me, out I mean, you print out pictures of each guy that you've said this about over the past two years, post <laughs> it on your wall and go look at it next I'll time never you meet think anybody. that. Next but it's week, I'm like, it's interesting because you know Chris Kristen has a pattern that she's slowly trying to break out of as well. 
which mm. is awesome that she's even noticing the pattern and trying to alter it. But yeah, I, I've heard you say that so many times over mm -hmm. the past two, maybe three years, you know, since you broke up well, with your ex-boyfriend. Yeah, when I when I lost my dog, I know this is a weird comparison, but when I lost my dog, I was like, well, there will never be another dog like my dog. Mm. And so when I look at all their dogs, I'm like, mm, he's cute and adorable, but not my dog. And so that's how it feels with dating. If I'm dating someone and I like them and it doesn't work out, every other guy becomes the dog that's cute, but just not my dog. Right. Yeah. And it's a scary thing because it's hard to control that thought process. I'm not purposely thinking that it's the way my brain is. No, it's is actually operating. really easy to control that thought process because you're aware of it. And so then you but have... But then when you're flipping through Tinder and you're seeing your options, you're like, oh my God, I'm right. I am going to be alone. I'm never going to find... And then, you know, until you're proven wrong, you don't believe it. Right. You're, you are perfect for New York, just so you know. That is a perfect <laughs> New York. So here, here's... Uh, so neurotic. Here's my thoughts around it. First is fall in love with yourself. Like... Ah, uh, done. Did that already? Just kidding. Think, no, I hate yeah, myself. No. Yeah. Right. So like fall in love with yourself. And this is for, for everyone, not, you know, obviously just for you. But what we yeah. do is in relationship, we look to the other person to complete us or be yeah. approved. Like we're external validation junkies. We're yeah. looking externally to say, because we have this person, we're doing it right. Which, you know, from a, from a woman's perspective, a needy guy is significantly less attractive to a guy with presence and power and self-love and self-validation. That's like the, the most attractive thing I've been told by women is a guy who just holds himself in that character. So what I teach guys in the big part of the book is to build your self-esteem. And esteem is built upon esteemable acts, things that have you feel good about yourself. And that way you feel good. And then guess what? You magnetize people to that rather than trying to latch on to the next person, the next project, the next job, the next dog, the next whatever to have you feel good. So build your self-love, build your own self-validation. And then the partner is the gravy. It's the ice cream on top of the apple pie. It's like the extra, but not the core ingredient. Right. So do you suggest someone not date until they've got that all in place? No, because I believe one of the best ways to build self-esteem is in the practice of relationship. Now, if you immediately get into codependent relationships, there are programs out there. Like I was a member of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous for about two and a half years while I was working on myself. And during that time, I did not get into a serious relationship. And that was great. I was actually... Um, celibate inside a sex commune for about five months, which is an interesting story. Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. During that time. Holy hell. So our table wasn't intense for you. Like no. that wasn't okay. So you no. could handle that, right? No, I created and ran a sex, sexual community for 10 years. I was okay Holy with being God. under a table for with two women under. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, the yeah. point is what? like. Why didn't you lead with that story? That's yeah, more interesting. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so the point is like build your self love, build your self esteem, and your sex cult. And your sex. Yeah. Yeah. It build that. And then from there, life gets more interesting. Okay. We can mm. talk about the sex community now if you want. <laughs> yeah. Let's go into this. I want to hear about this. So I started an organization called One Taste uh, in 2004. That's so funny because when you said that a little while ago, I was like, oh, it's just like a sampling of food. Like no. A, like somewhere you get together and you all sample because you're foodies, but it's one taste of a person, basically. One, well, it's a Buddhist term, actually. Oh, um, okay. So One Taste was an... Uh, was a organization that taught about relationship, intimacy, communication, and sexuality. 
we had a sexual practice called orgasmic meditation. And in that, it was two people coming together to feel the most sensation while the stroker uh, takes the most <laughs> dexterous part of their body, the index finger, and strokes the most sensitive part of a woman's body, which was the upper left-hand quadrant of her clitoris for 15 minutes. And we oh built God. this from a concept to an international business. Oh, I literally couldn't think of anything worse in my entire life to experience. What? What do you mean? Oh, it's so awkward, uncomfortable. A stroker, 15 minutes. What if I'm smelly? I didn't put deodorant on. Like just the whole bodily thing, everyone coming together. It's just, that's so intimate. It almost makes me. Oh, in front of people. Well, that too. But yeah, but I met a lot of women like you, and uh, they did start off that way. And then with practice, they were laying back at surrendered, their vigilance center is handled, and they're just feeling the deepest What's sensations their of their life. Center? The vigilance center is part of the human brain that protects for danger. Uh, mm. Physically, it's called the amygdala, and it's oh. the, the hardwire. A big one, a big amygdala. Women tend to have larger uh, connection to their amygdala, though physically they're the same size as men. Uh, the point is, is that you have to calm down that safety center for a woman to truly feel their sexuality. Is a safety center the same thing as a neurotic center? I don't think neurotic center is actually a technical term, but I understand. No, I don't think so either, but... (laughs) Neuroticism is connected to safety. Yeah, right, right. Well, that's wonderful, though, that you did that. That's cool. Well, I think think it's interesting. So can we talk more about, like, female sexuality and just maybe maybe some myths that are out there that women don't want sex, that we're not sexual beings, and... um, maybe even talking a little bit more about these women who were closed off. And I mean, they were there, so they were wanting to be more open, but maybe to tie it back to communication about how to communicate with somebody who is a little bit more closed off sexually and how to help them be more open without, you know, being forceful. Yes. So let's see. One Taste was a woman-run organization. Uh, My business partner was a woman named Nicole Daydone. And she has a great TED Talk on the concept, over a million and a half views at this point. And the concept really was to create a safe space, a clean, well-lit space for women to feel their sexuality. Well-lit. Oh, okay. Well-lit. Yeah, exactly. Not in the dark. <laughs> Worst nightmare. Right. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, I did it for 10 years. I taught over 400 workshops. I dealt with over 10,000 students. And there was a common theme that people were so afraid of the power of their sexuality, so afraid if they unlocked it. And both men and women were so nervous about what would happen if they just lost control and surrendered. And so the practice we defined is very structured, has very, you know, you wore uh, latex gloves. You did it in a space (laughs) that there was no Ozies, like I stroke you, you stroke me. It was set around a time. But in that space, if you're able to get in that space, there was a there was a freedom that opened up the Pandora's box of our fears around sexuality. And what we found is that women wanted sex a lot more than men did when they felt safe. As my business partner likes to say, women want sex more than men, just what's not on the menu. Right. I just, you just said safe and I want to stress for guys how important that is in dating and sex. And I I don't really want to speak necessarily 
too much, but I think guys forget about that aspect of things a lot. And I don't know if they understand what safe really means. Can you explain to them what safe means? Well, actually, I'd like to hear your explanation first, because if you say Uh, it's very important, I want to know what that means to you. Well, you know, recent of, you know, I've had a, I've had past experiences where I didn't feel safe and then I did not move forward in dating that person because I did not feel safe. And it was, and it was like, because of lack of respect during the process. Like you've talked about before your one story that I pick on you about in (laughs) New Zealand, where you're like, he took my hand and just said, if there's anything I'm doing, you know, just let me know if it makes you uncomfortable. Um, Kind of bypassing that. You don't have to necessarily say it straight up like that, but just kind of diving in when you don't really know somebody and kind of going like, no pun intended, like balls to the wall. I don't know if that yeah. would be a pun. So that that essentially is is what I'm speaking to. Okay. It's well, kind Robert, of Robert, I'd, like, I'd like to hear your take on it. Yeah. So this is highly, highly important, and I'm so glad you asked the specific question. So men do not understand the impact they have on women. They're not trained to, they're not educated. And more often than not, when women are negatively impacted by men, they don't say anything. And then so men think everything is fine and keep doing what they're doing. Right. Now, I said this many times on, especially on interviews, and I've gotten a little bit of trouble because then women are like, then it's my job to educate the men. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not your job. It's your opportunity. So please only educate yeah. from the spot of a surplus when you're like, I want this guy to know. And that's from like a look or a something they say. Like we have this conspiracy of silence. Like I won't ruffle your feathers if you don't ruffle my feathers. And then no one's really being touched physically, energetically, emotionally, spiritually, the way we want to be touched. And it goes back down to this basic level of communication on how important it is for everyone to really speak their truth and create the space for the truth to be told and rewarded. Yeah. I think, I think, 100%. For, I think, for example, if a guy is into a girl and they go out and she happens to have a lot of drinks, I mm. think he should not take that opportunity to move forward sexually with her. I think mm-hmm. if he's really into her, if she wakes up the next morning and is like, wow, that was really sweet of him to not really like, you know, push me into anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I feel safe. I feel at ease and I feel like I can go out with this person again. So I think guys might think, oh, well, she's drunk. She's having fun. Here's my opportunity to hook up with her and then we can go from there. But that might actually detract from moving forward um, after that experience. Yeah, just listen to your language. I mean, you're speaking what's in the culture today. It's my opportunity. Like, and that's based on the concept of scarcity. And guys are, are deep, really deep in the, in the pool of scarcity. We don't know when the next sexual experience is going to happen. And so any opportunity, to use right. your word again, to have it, we grab it regardless of the, of the impact it has on women. And so to have this belief in the abundance of the world, to, to have patience, to, to extend the sensation that's where uh, the best lovers and best men come from because it's from surplus. And actually, it can be an amazing uh, service to yourself to, to, to believe in abundance and not take any little crumb that comes your way to actually wait for the gourmet meal of her sobriety, uh, of all of her, not the question, should I be doing this? Not any of that. That's where the best sex comes from. 
Absolutely. I agree. It's so funny because as you're talking about like honest communication, I, for some reason, I just started thinking about me going in for haircuts. Like I'm very (laughs) clear on what I want. I bring in pictures and I'm not a dick about saying and like, give me this haircut or else I'm out of here. But I say, this is what I want. This is what I like my hair to do. And like, I have a fun conversation with a hairdresser every single time. And then typically I get what I want and it feels nice Mm -hmm. and the person feels nice. And it's funny because I think most people do that when they go in for something as simple as a haircut, but they forget to do that in a very important space, which well, is the I, bedroom with I thought a, you were a new partner or somebody they're in a relationship with. I thought you were going to go the other way with that because whenever I go in for a haircut and I show them pictures and exactly what I want, it turns out the total opposite. So, Oh, well, then they're not good hairdressers for you. Right. They're not communicating properly or they're not listening to you. They're right, not making you feel safe. There is a chance <laughs> I'm not communicating properly. Like what I'm, my word, like you just said earlier with what gentleman means, like gentleman could mean one thing to someone else versus another person. And so I think with me, if I say I want like long layers, they see the layers starting at my chin. I see them starting at my, my boob or something. My boob, not my poop, my boob. Um, so yeah, <laughs> you have to make sure you're communicating in a way that both people are getting because it could just go nowhere if you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I do have one more question, Robert. Actually, about, can I tell uh, you a secret on that oh, for a second? About haircuts? A well, kind of. <laughs> haircuts. So here's a secret that you might not know about men. Men want to know what you want in bed. They're dying to know. Mm. They're not dying to know from a bitchy, you did it wrong disapproving way they want to know what you want because men are production junkies we love to produce we like to build big buildings big bank accounts we like to create and we like to create epic sexual experiences for the women we're interested in and we want to know what you want now we don't want it in the middle because then our ego is involved that's why having an open space the permission to speak the permission to say how you want your haircut to be really specific no not boob Chin, like we want to know these things so we can produce and feel positive in bed. Women don't do that, though. They scream loud in their head. Wrong. Stop. Left. Slower. 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 I know. And we don't. Angle your body a certain way so they move their fingers. Yeah, like, exactly. I know. Well, it's so, okay. So let me ask you a question. So let's say guys who are listening who are not that experienced sexually, um, or even people who are experienced. Let's say you get into your first time having sex with a woman, whether it's mm-hmm. on the third date or the first date or the 10th date, whatever it is. How how do you approach that scenario so that it doesn't break away from the natural flow of what you guys are doing um, and doesn't come off as, oh, you know, something super creepy like, what do you want? Like there's, yeah. there's so many icky ways it can be done what Easy. how yeah how how would walk me through getting into the bedroom and starting this process like when and when and how would you say this to a woman so that it still comes across as sexy and not like perverted well first don't have that conversation in the bedroom how do you initiate it though okay. before the before then like over coffee we live in well you know over coffee yeah so we live in the 21st century right so people are having sex usually before marriage. This happens. And so you, if you're with a partner, the odds are and you're, you're going down the dating uh, road, odds are you're going to end up in bed together. Like this is not like some mystery, crazy thing that's going to happen, not some God gift that opens up. You know? So this is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So in conversation, when you're talking about relating, you can just, like you said, slip in there. Listen. 
I'm totally malleable around sexing. I want to know what you want. I want to, I'm really interested in I don't know sex how responsive I would be if somebody said sexing to me. <laughs> well, well, I'm sorry. You can use your own language. You get the idea. The point is like you, you make a, a fun game around it, right? You make it fun. Like I want to be the kind of guy that you can tell the truth to, especially in the bedroom. I know how mysterious your sex is. I know most guys don't want to listen to this, but I want to be the one guy that you feel totally open in the sex act to say, um, you know, would you slow down a little bit? Because I want to know what you want. Be willing to be that guy to be open. Back to the masculine and feminine. Be receptive. Be willing to listen and prove it when it happens. That's how, you, that's how you do it. And then you give permission for the truth to be told and rewarded. It's the same thing over and over again. Okay. Oh, gosh, I was texting right now. Um, me too. I'm, I'm totally turned on. <laughs> Wait, how, but Kristen, how, how, would, how would you want somebody to say that to you beforehand? To like, Because that can be you know, part of the sexual tension is talking about sex before you actually have sex. So let's say you're in a texting relationship with somebody and you've dated a couple of times and things are escalating on a banter level and flirtation level, like how would you want them to transition to that conversation that, that wouldn't like irk you out? Um, how, yeah. How, how would you want that done? I think uh, I had an experience where someone said something like, you know, we were bantering back and forth and someone said something like, remember when it was like, we were kind of going over like what we did on dates or, you know, whatever. And so then it slowly transitioned to remember when we had sex. And then it kind of was like already playful. And now, you know, it's like, oh, of course I, I didn't forget. I remembered tonight eating dinner with my parents. Like you say, you know, it's so I think if there's a natural smooth transition like that, where it seems, I don't know, like, um, like a partnership thing, like remember the experience that we had now, like, let's talk more about it going forward. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that's a smooth transition. Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense. Yeah. I love all of this conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and play with this a little bit and see if I can think of a statement that would not work. Like I like everything that Robert's saying and I like the tonality of it. Mm -hmm. I just, I just, I, I guess, I'm trying to envision somebody saying those things to me. Well, it, like if I were to picture... You, when you get in the moment, say, you know, I'm seeing someone casually, we've gone out a couple times and it's been playful and fun to change that energy over from this kind of fun to all of a sudden this more heavy, not heavy sex talk, but, you know, a little bit more weight in the conversation. It's scary. And then someone like me, I chicken out and then I'll just switch topics and, and talk about something stupid again. But that's, a, that's right. an important point though. So you said change from light and fun into heavy because it sounds like you have a viewpoint talking about sex has to be heavy. Right. And I knew it's, as I said that, I just wanted to correct myself and say, I don't think of it as heavy, but I guess I must because that's it just came right. out. Yeah. And so it can just continue to be light and fun. And and, and it, this is this is so communication is broke up into three parts, right? There are the words or the context, the words spoken or the words written. There's the intonation of the voice, how I'm voice modulating, and and Marnie said a couple times the lightness of the voice. And then there's the intention behind it, which is actually the strongest part of a communication. This is called nonverbal communication. So if your intention is to make it heavy or fearful or you know, serious, guess what? You're going to push that into that direction. Right. If you have your intention of just being light and fun and connective and playful, and 
that's, that can be the ultimate turn on. Talking about sex before the sex can make the sex so much bigger and fuller yeah, I mean, because the, the woman can there. feel free. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's not just emptying the dishwasher. That's a turn on for Kristen. It's, it's <laughs> other conversations that can happen as no, well. But right. so I'm sizes and you know. Right, but but I, I like I'm envisioning something like as simple as you know gearing the conversation towards something a little bit more sexual, where where a man could start off even saying like you know are you flirting with me or you know I'm not that easy or stop talking so dirty whatever it is it's like that's like shifting the conversation in that mm -hmm. direction to see if the woman kind of wants to play along or it's like mm -hmm. this low level safe space and then you know if you're seeing each other you can get into the conversation of you know eventually i'm going to see you naked like and that can be done in a very playful way and then right. it, it's little by little and you can say okay when i do see you naked tell me what 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 is it you want me to do to you like things like that, I think could be like a natural progression. So it's like it's like building blocks to get to that space. And I I I, I love everything that you're breaking down for us, Robert, because I think at the core, what you're saying is like if you just wipe away all of this fluff that we throw onto our communication um, <laughs> and just get rid of it no all, that real yeah right that that real authentic conversation that you can actually have is super fun, super sexy, super light, and super real. And yes, some people can't handle that type of communication, but it doesn't mean that it's not welcome. It may make, make them feel uncomfortable um, because they're not exposed to it or they haven't been exposed to it. But the more that you can stick with it, with that person, especially with women, um, the more that she'll ease into it, which is exactly what you found from your, your, uh, what is it called? The taste, the, the taste one program. Taste. One taste. Yeah, from yeah. one taste. You, you you saw that as well. Like these women and people who were scared to let go sexually, mm -hmm. you know, eventually did because they saw that it was okay and it was an accepting space that they they were in that they were able to ease up. So if you can be that accepting space, um, a woman will also feel safe with you and yeah, it might Open be a up. needed relief for your partner as well, because maybe they're thinking, oh, I really want to bring this up, but I don't know how. And then you do it. And they're like, phew, I didn't feel like doing mm -hmm. that. So it could relieve. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the truth is, is that for, for me, I know, and it, yes, this sucks that it's it's on the man's shoulders, but I, I, I can be open. Um, but if I'm open a little bit and I'm open with a man that isn't as open, I close right. up. Yes. Instantly. It has to be reciprocated. Um, it has to be reciprocated. And if anything, it, it, it does for me have to be kind of led um, by the man. And I hate saying that, but that that's, that's well, the, the girl, truth. The problem with right. the with for women is that we walk the line of wondering, is this going to make us come across like slutty or easy? And so you don't necessarily want to be the one opening up that can of worms as a or hopefully a snake, before the guy does because <laughs> you don't want to put off the wrong image necessarily. Because it seems to still hold true that guys are old-fashioned sometimes in the sense that they, you know, don't want the girl who's just sleeping around. And again, that's another thing you can just start talking about. Like, yeah. we think, think about it. We have such a secret. We have a conspiracy of silence yeah, around... Really these really important things and we, we tiptoe around it. And, and when we tiptoe around things, we don't get what we want. And that's the right. truth. Like you don't get the haircut you want because you're not saying boob or chin. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really comes down to deliberate conscious 
And here's the most important, two important pieces I would recommend on anything. One is to slow down. And the second is to let go of any agenda of outcome. All right. Be in the conversation for the conversation itself, not to get in her pants, not to have you feel good as a man, not to have some, you know, scratch on your bed post wall, Like, Just go in to be connected and intimate and actually find out if you actually want to have sex with this person. Be willing to uh, go in without an agenda. And from there, there's so much more possibility than the narrow mindedness of I'm going stepping A, B, and C. And this is back to the masculine feminine aspect. The masculine just wants to plow through. You know, masculine communication is called report speak. It's like, I want to move the box from point A to point B. The feminine side of communication is more about intimacy and connection and relationship. They want you to feel, they want to know how you feel moving the box from point A to point B. It's called rapport talk. And so the willingness to have that combination of masculine and feminine to go forward and then receive and receive and go forward and have the awareness of what to lead with, that's where intimacy gets built from. I love it. Robert, thank you so much for coming on to our show. Do you want to tell people oh, how they can get in contact with you? Everything can be found at my website, uh, robertcandell.com. I have my book. There's an audio version. Uh, my my own podcast, uh, articles, uh, social media, everything can be found at robertcandell.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And Kristen, thank you so much. You're wonderful as well. Obviously. <laughs> Let me just say this also. I changed my... So I do another podcast and I changed the format recently. So if anyone enjoys me on this show, which I'm sure you do, you'll want to check out my other show called Kristen and Chill. And uh, it's not just about depression anymore. It's about everything, life, relationships, minutia, everything. So it's a, it's a brand new show. So check it out if you're looking for a new podcast. Awesome. Uh, if anybody wants to write in questions for this, for uh, us to overanalyze on the show, which we did today. And actually, I just want to do a quick wrap up for Dane. Our point was, you don't have to tell either girl in the very beginning, especially if nothing has been established yet. You have no rapport with either of them. You don't have any commitment to either of them. You are fine to continue dating until things get a little bit more serious. And then, as Robert gave guidance on, you can talk about her beliefs and your beliefs on exclusivity. Just to wrap that up. But if anybody else wants to write in questions, uh, send them to ask at askwomenpodcast.com. New episodes of the Ask Women Podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Please go and subscribe to our show. Pass our show around to as many people um, as possible. And Kristen, I don't know if I told you this, but Anchor, who hosts our podcast, he told us that we're one of the the biggest shows on their platform, which is pretty awesome. I mean, they only have three shows. But. <laughs> we're the only show. <laughs> You're number one. Two yes. downloads, um, winner. One out of three. No, but I think that was yeah. really good. We had a, like a, a rep contact us, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I'm supposed to be contacting all the you know the larger shows on our platform." I'm like, "Oh, we're one of your." Anyway, that's a good thing for us. So please keep telling people about our show. Please keep sending in questions because even though I may not read all the questions on air, I definitely take the context of the question and then apply it to a topic that we can discuss on the show. So don't start, don't stop writing questions for us. All right, you guys are awesome. We will see you next week. Bye.